the Lord's asking us to come back together, but not just in a physical sense, but in a relational sense, in a <clears throat> spiritual sense, that um, there's been a lot of division, a lot of, a lot of hurt that's taken place over these past number of months uh, in friendships, right, in marriages. Some of you aren't used to spending that much time together at home, right, and it caused a lot of tension. Uh, parents with children, co-workers, uh, believer to believer, Moran Park to you. I mean, a lot of, a lot of hurt that's taken place. And so uh, I went into some more depth about that last week, but we believe God's calling us into a time, a season of focusing on healing what's been hurt, focus on unity, focus on uh, <clears throat> restoring what's been broken. And so I want to share with you this morning, it actually is just one verse um, is where we're going to start. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter <clears throat> 13. Second Corinthians 13, 11. It's interesting, right, because um, Paul is writing this letter to Corinth, and it's a long letter. He's writing long letters to the church in Corinth. He's got a lot to say to them, a lot, lot to address, a lot to encourage them in, a lot to correct, a lot to challenge them with. And I, I love when he closes here, because oftentimes when someone closes a letter, it, it's like they're putting the last-minute things that they want you to not forget. It's like, oh, here's a couple more things. Don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. And, they, and he puts all these things in. And this is his... He's closing to his letter of 2 Corinthians, a little part of it, and this is what he says in verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. I'll read it again, short. Finally, brothers, Rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Uh, it's interesting, at first I'm like, why does he say, finally, brothers, and the first thing he says is to rejoice. Like, isn't that, just sound interesting to me, and then he goes on all these things about loving each other, and caring for one another, and, and pursuing restoration. But I, I was reminded of it this week. I think why the Lord's saying, first of all, rejoice. Because um, oftentimes, if you're like me, when things get crazy, when I start getting hurt, when I start hurting other people, when I start having disagreements or things get wild around me, my attention quickly goes away from the Lord and goes back on myself. Anyone else have that problem? So I think he's saying, listen, first of all, rejoice. It's not rejoicing in me, but it's rejoicing in the Lord. And in doing so, what it does is it fixes our gaze and our attention on the Lord before then we start living into these other things that we're called to live into. First of all, rejoice. You know what? Let's just, let's just do that. I want to pray again. God, it seems silly to talk about first of all rejoicing and then move on to other things. So God, I praise you that you have given us a spirit of unity. I praise you, God, that you are the one that does miraculous things and heals marriages and relationships and friendships and, and, and restores what's broken. I thank you, God, that nothing is impossible with you, God. I thank you that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and you brought us in the kingdom of light, God. 
I thank you that you filled us with your spirit. I thank you, God, while it is not possible for us to walk in humility, while it's not possible for us to walk in grace on our own, while it's not possible for us to walk in, in a lot of these things on our own, God, it is only possible because we are filled by your spirit. So we thank you, God, that you fill us with your spirit to enable us and empower us to live into these things that you call us to live into even in this very verse. Not by our might, not by our power, not by our effort, not by our good skill, not by our practice, but by your spirit alone. So we thank you for your spirit that fills us to live into these things that we see in this verse. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thanks. Um, all right, it says, finally, brothers, rejoice. It says, aim for restoration. Comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. I mean, that's quite a call, comforting each other, agreeing with each other, living in peace with one another. But the part I want to focus on this morning is the beginning part there, those three words that say, aim for restoration. Repeat after me, aim for restoration. I'm sorry, I made that like super awkward. Say it with me, let's try that. Aim for restoration. <clears throat> it's interesting that he uses the term aim, right? Because aim is like, what's your, what's your goal? What's your objective? What's your target that you're, that you're focusing on that you want to hit? It's, I think about it like, right, a bow and arrow with a, with a bullseye. Like, what, what's the target that you're shooting for? How do you know if there's success? I mean, earlier this week, I had a friend of mine take, took me... Um, shooting for, with clay pigeons, right? It's about as awkward as you would have pictured it to be. But um, one thing he said to me at one point, he's like, what are you aiming at? <laughs> I didn't really know what he was asking at first, but when he said it, he helped me aim right, I hit a bunch more of those stinking clay pigeons that I did prior to how I was aiming before. Because that, what we're aiming at, it, it matters, right? What we're, what we're pursuing, what we're moving toward matters. And, and Paul's saying, have the aim, have the, the bullseye, have the thing that we're locked in on is restoration. That's what we should be aiming at as believers with one another, with brothers and sisters. Well, what's restoration? This term restoration in the word is used um, at a lot of, it's used all kinds of different places. And, and oftentimes it has this idea of um, putting things things back to the way that they were before it was broken. Putting things back to its original design, putting things back to its original purpose. So you see Jesus, he's restoring people's sight. He's restoring people's health. He's restoring people's relationships with one another. He's restoring. He's putting back together what was and putting it back into the state it was designed to be, and that's restoration. But it also has this terminology in terms of, like, relationships as well because the term restore is the same word that talks about when some of the disciples are called by Jesus he says he found some of his disciples and they were mending their nets that term mending is the same word that's used here which I think is an incredible picture because like when there's a mending of the nets the men's means the nets have been ripped apart and they need to be put back together. They need to be re, uh, made new and strengthened once again, the two broken parts together. And I think that's what God's calling us to. Restoration, yes, what was, but also in this sense of mending what's been broken. You see, the thing is, like, this has been God's aim from eternity past. See, God's desire for us is that 
He desired for us to be in intimate relationship with him. And when Adam and Eve sinned and turned their back on God and said, we got this guy, we're going to go our own way. God said, I am not going to settle for that. I want to restore that broken relationship. And he took this step to continue to pursue his people and said, I'm continuing to aim at restoration. And man and woman would be good for a little bit. And they listen to God, like, God, you're so good, God, you're so good. And they quickly turn their back, and the relationship would be severed again, and God would be consistently patient and long-suffering and pursuing time and time again, where God said, no, I'm continuing to not give up on you. I want restoration. Where then that's where he sends Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins, and ultimately that's what it was that restored us back into our relationship with the Father because his has, he has his heart, his eyes, set his aim is restoration with us and that's what he calls us to sometimes i think we don't realize how broken things have gotten with others because i think we tolerate and settle for a lot less than restoration Here's what I want to do. Someone did this practice with me the other day, and it was very helpful for me in understanding what restoration looks like in broken friendships and broken relationships. I, I, want, I want you to think about someone that you uh, have been hurt by recently, a fellow believer. I want you to think about someone. It could be your spouse. It could be you know, a friend. It could be me. It could be anybody, right? Think about someone who's, who's hurt you, who's wronged you, who's, there's been a mend or a tear in the relationship. And I want you to think to yourself, how would you describe them before the tear happened? How would you describe them to someone else before the offense happened? Take a minute, sit in that for a second. I want you to think about how do you see them now? How would you describe them now? I believe God's heart for restoration is that he wants to restore your relationship with that person to the place where it once was and that you could find them in the ways that you did before the rift happened. Now listen, I know that that's not always possible. But for restoration to take place, it takes two parties. God desired restoration with us, but ultimately took repentance on our part for that to take place. I understand that. But it says in Romans chapter 12, um, as much as it depends on you, if possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As much as it depends on you, pursue peace. Peace is not just the absence of conflict, it's the presence of wholeness. And this is where I think sometimes we have a lower bar of restoration than what the Lord wants. 
Because I think we have this idea of West Michigan nice. You know what I'm talking about, right? John obviously does. But for real though, right? It's like, I get offended. And um, it's usually justified in my mind. And then what ends up happening, it's like, no, no, that's cool, it's cool, it's cool, we're good. But then what happens when you, when you see that person in the store, how do you respond? Right? If it's real bad, it's like, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. Ooh, see ya, aisle four, right? And maybe it's not that overt a lot of times. Maybe it's like, no, 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 it's good, we're good, we're, we're, we're brothers and sisters, it's cool, it's all right, I'm okay. But when I see them, what stirs up in me is this hurt, is this pain, is this anger and rage towards them. And I get sometimes that happens because restoration is not possible because there's not repentance on the other side. But the question is, sometimes I think we take the easy way out. Sometimes I take the easy way out and just go find good riddance because it's easier rather than putting in the work of saying what God desires is full restoration. And am I willing to put in the time, the energy, the effort, and the work to see it through to that? Does that make sense? I get, I just... I know some of you have been really hurt recently. And when I start talking about God's aim for us is restoration, it's like, yeah, right. And I, I understand that, like, for that to take place, it is going to require nothing short of a miracle. But if our aim isn't restoration, we're not going to be praying and crying out to the Lord for that miracle. We're going to be saying it's not possible because of X, Y, and Z. And we're going to skirt away from it and not do everything on our part that we can do to pursue peace with that person. I believe the Lord's calling is to say, is our aim restoration with one another? Not that it's not, again, it's not always possible. Not that it's not difficult. Not that it's not long. But is that our aim? I think the other thing I've realized in myself especially is that instead of aiming at restoration, oftentimes I aim at being right. I love being right. I think I'm justified in being right. But what happens is when I'm, my aim is being right and not restoration, I have no space to hear your hurt and your wounds. I have no space to hear your, your concerns. I have no space because I'm saying, that doesn't matter. It's fine, it's fine, but you're wrong. This is what's right. But when my heart is to say, no, no, I want to aim at restoration, I can then hold that in the place of saying, I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to walk in humility. I want to hear where you're at because my ultimate game is restore. The ultimate desire is to restore what's been built in my relationship with you. I think we've seen this a lot lately in terms of politics. Some of the most hurtful things I know a lot of you have heard recently are these, these phrases such as, how can you be a Christian and vote for Trump? Some of you have heard the hurtful phrase, how can you be a Christian and vote for Biden? How can you be a Christian and vote third party? 
how can you be a Christian and abstain? How can you be a Christian in X, Y, and Z, right? See, the problem is, I think, when we are, when we are most concerned about being right, then my concern with you is saying, I can be in friendship, I can be in relationship, if you see it my way. I know there's a temptation even when I'm saying that, right? You're like, yeah, but I'm right. Are you more concerned with God's heart of restoration than you are for being right? And here's the thing. I think so often we see things so simplistically in such a human perspective that we can't possibly imagine that there are times where it's actually possible where both of us are right. But if my desire is to be right, I'm going to argue, I'm going to argue, and I'm going to argue rather than if my goal is restoration. I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to understand how you came to that conclusion. I want to understand your walk with the Lord. I want to understand your process and experience. I want to understand those things. And sometimes at the end of the day, I see it differently, but we are united in Christ together. And by the way, you can be a Christian and vote Democrat. You can be a Christian and vote Republican. God is bigger than a political party. No, actually, it's, it's good because it's like, because if that's the case, then we don't have to be so bent out of shape about this political thing with each other. Like, we can actually be in unity and harmony with each other and vote for different people. We've done it with the mask thing, right? We've said, you're walking in fear. You're walking in this. You're walking in bowing down to the government. You're walking in X, Y, Z. You don't love people. You don't blah, 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 Right? We say things from our perspective because we think we're right without even stopping to understand where the other person's coming from and hearing their heart and why they've come to the conclusions they've come to. Those words are harsh and they're hard and it brings division. But the good news is like when we're having our eyes, instead of being like, I just got to be right, I got to be right. It's like I want to restore what's been broken. It allows us to live in that tension of saying, I see it differently than you do and that's okay. In the coming weeks, we're going to spend some time going through the nuts and bolts on how to walk these things out. But if our aim is something less or different than God's heart for restoration, it doesn't actually matter what we do. We're not going to get to the, to the desired outcome. Like if that, that's not our desire. We could go through all these things and time, forgiveness and all this stuff. But at the end, what are we aiming at? Are we aiming at something less than what God wants for us? Are we aiming at being right? Are we aiming at our comfort? Or whatever. We aim at all sorts of other things. What are we aiming at? That's what God's asking, I think, of us this morning. And we want to invite you to come along with us over these next few weeks to walk out that process of aiming at restoration. I understand sometimes there's going to be two steps forward and five steps back. 
you've seen it for those of you that have gone through this in your marriage, where it's like things are so screwed up in your marriage, things are so hurt in your marriage, it's like you, you're trying, you're trying, and then you feel like I'm giving up all hope. But let's not forget, we do not worship a God who has a little bit of grace for us. We have a worship a God who has a miserable power, grace, and love for us to walk these things out. The, the world is yearning for a group of people that can model something different than running away when we get hurt and are offended by one another. There's plenty of that. And sometimes what I find myself being convicted of is that it's easy to slap a band-aid of us, like we're all one in Christ, and let people go on their separate ways, yet my heart has not been restored and reconciled to the person. It is true that we are one in Christ, but it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes time, it takes humility, it takes grace, it takes patience, it takes endurance, it takes long-suffering for us to walk out that oneness with one another. That's what God does with us. We are one in Christ, but he continues to be all those things to us to grow in those things together. But my... It's like with the Apostle Paul with the churches. Sometimes he just says, I, I, ple I plead with you. I plead with you. Moran Park, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. That we would aim for restoration. I, I don't know what the outcome is with the people you've got going on. I don't know. Some of you have been deeply wounded and deeply hurt. But this is the week I'm going to ask that you go and spend time with the Lord and say, is my heart on restoration it is impossible that me an evil wicked dark sinner with a cold heart could have my heart turned around by the miraculous power of the gospel to be reconciled back to the father that is an incredible miracle and in, in, in light of that me being reconciled to you or you to one another pales in comparison